You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. In this age of social media, when a national tragedy or disaster hits, you can pretty much count on someone posting a meme about the late Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. He famously said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words, and I am always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in the world. As with most things, Mr. Rogers was right. There are caring people, first responders, police, fire companies, EMTs, ER nurses and doctors, etc., all of whom we rely on in times of extreme need to answer the call, to save others, to relieve suffering. But in the manner of the Roman poet who asked, who watches the watchman? Who helps the helpers? A program from Kids Peace attempts to answer that question, and with us to discuss the critical incident response team is its leader, Jody Whitcomb. Jody, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, the name Critical Incident Response Team, that sounds like something that would be part of like a first responder group, but it, it is not. So can you briefly explain what CERT is? Sure. Uh, CERT, uh, the Critical Incident Response Team, is a team of professionals who provide care to people following potentially traumatic events. The main focus of CERT is to provide care to the helpers or the first responders, although at times the scope does extend beyond that. Now, what are the what were the circumstances that that prompted creation of CERT? So CERT was created right around the time of the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York City and uh, Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania. Um, and we did respond to New York City and debriefed first responders there. So that was really our first response. Can you give us an idea of the kinds of situations as CERT has developed that spark a request for help from it? Yes, usually it's something that is unusual in the environment and could potentially be traumatizing to people. The ones that are most common is an unexpected death or a natural disaster or a really severe act of violence like an active shooter situation. So basically something that would happen, as you say, out of the norm mm -hmm. and yes. people are called upon to act, in many cases, ex extraordinarily. Correct. Um, and... And then, often requires first responders to come to the scene, like um, EMT workers or firefighters or police or other types of helpers that come. So when CERT is called in, how does that intervention work? Mm -hmm. So the first thing that happens is we're activated. Somebody will call us and say, we really think that we need the CERT team to come out. And the first thing that we do is assess impact. So we've got to find out how large the scope of the situation is, who are the people that are impacted by the potentially traumatic event, and how severe is that impact. And what that does is that helps us determine the need. So CERT does a number of different things, and it helps us figure out what types of responses are need for who. So there might be some people in the situation that just really need care and support and others that need quite something different. Can you give me an idea of what kind of care and support they might be, someone might be needing that CERT would be able to provide? Sure. So sometimes it's a matter of working with the leaders in that situation to develop 
spaces where people can go to take a break because lots of times what happens in these situations is something has happened, but the people still have to work. They can't just disengage, like if it's a school, for example, the kids are all still there. All the teachers and the administrators have to keep going. Or it happens in a community where you can't just stop going forward and and figuring out what to do. You can't just take a break. So sometimes we will work with the leaders to provide space and time for people to take a break. Um, lots of times we don't want to take a break. And so it could just be that, an opportunity and a space to do that. But some of the other things that we do are individual and group debriefings. So we will do critical incident stress debriefing, which helps people just kind of process through the event and also normalize the reactions that human beings have after potentially traumatic events. So they don't think there's really something wrong with me. We will explain to them and provide education to them about what to expect, some of the different reactions that you might have, and know when to seek additional help if it goes on too long, things like that. So there's different levels of support we provide. I have to believe that last is something that's really important for people who might be leading some yes. of those groups. Where, where you're able to say, hey, you need to watch your people for yes. X, Y, Z. Correct. Now, um, when, when we've talked about this in the past, one question that's always come to mind is, do you find the first responders reluctant to talk with the CERT people about their feelings and about their well-being? Yes, I think in general, yes. I mean, certainly there's a continuum, and some people are more willing to talk than others just based on their personality. Um, but in general, people who are in the business of helping others, historically, do not take good care of themselves. And so what I often get from people when I say to them, so how are you doing? Can we have a minute to talk? I'm fine. I'm fine. Worry about those people over there. I'm okay. Right. And it's clear that they're not okay. <laughs> so that's pretty <laughs> yeah. common. Mm -hmm. Now, what about their organizations? Do you find that they, that reluctance has sort of become an institutional response to, oh, no, no, you know, our guys are great, our guys are strong, our, our people are wonderful, go get the people we're trying to help, that they're the ones that need it. I know. I think what ends up happening is the leaders are, and organizations are often very willing to bring us in. But what happens is they'll go to those people and say, "How are you doing? We have, you know, we have this team over here. They that would you like to talk to them?" And those responders are saying, "No, I'm fine." And then the leaders are accepting that answer, probably because they're not educated enough to see past that kind of I'm fine. So it's not that the leaders in the organizations are uncomfortable having us in. There's just kind of a general lack, I think, of understanding and education about the way these things work to know that you can kind of push the person and say, listen, I know you're saying you're fine, but why don't you go sit down and talk to them or just take a break? You don't even have to talk. Just go take a break. It's, it's almost really, like you don't want to give them the option. It's right. almost like, no, you're going right. to do this because this is part of our response. Correct, correct. And when you have processes and places that include kind of this is what we do, automatic debriefing, automatic rotation of helpers. So if you have a group of helpers, everybody has to take a break and making sure that that happens. Putting that in as part of your accepted and known process is a really good idea. And it's almost, like you said, it, it really has to be accepted and known. Everybody's going to yes. have to do this. Almost, mm -hmm. you know, I, well, not almost. I think we are saying at some point when you're doing the training yes. ahead of being called upon to yes. do this, everybody recognizes that this is part of it. Right. They're going to be better off. Yes. And I think that's probably an area that 
we could grow as, you know, just communities and organizations in recognizing this as something we should have in place ahead of time. Because lots of times you're not expecting these events to happen. And then it's like uh, just reacting. It's just reacting. And it's much more comfortable to react to all the logistical things you've got to take care of than to really attend to emotional and psychological well-being. That's a good lesson. What are some other lessons that you've learned regarding the caring for first responders through CERT? There's a lot, but I think some of the most important lessons that I've learned in doing this work for the past 10 or 12 years is that you can only help somebody who wants to be helped. And if you try and you encourage and you prompt and you support and they just don't want your support, it's okay to just kind of let that person do what they feel they need to do. Um, and pushing them is not going to help them. You know, um, prompting and, and pushing a little bit, but if they're resistant to the point where they're like, absolutely not. Um, the other thing I, I really have learned, especially in the past couple of years, is that there is a way to inform people of death and there's a way not to inform people of death. And I think that with social media and texting and things, it spreads so quickly when something has happened and that can add to the trauma and make it worse. Whereas if organizations have processes in place of how to inform people when something like that has happened, they will significantly reduce the impact of the trauma. And we should point out, we're talking about, everyone talks about in social media, the concept that the wrong information gets out and gets spread. But we were really talking about the impact of information that's completely accurate. Correct. It's just over and over or finding out, like, let's imagine you're a nurse on a hospital ward and you get a text from somebody saying that someone who's worked for the organization for 25 years that everybody loves has just died unexpectedly. How are you going to react to that while you have to take care of patients? Like, that shouldn't be how you find out. And I think that's what I'm trying to say. There's a way to do it. Sending out a mass email, for example, not the way to do it. There are ways to do it and ways not to do it. If someone wanted more information about CERT, um, how would they make that contact? So you can email me at jody.whitcomb at kidspeace.org or call 610-799-7777 to activate CERT. And if I'm not in the office, there's always an away message that says who is the secondary contact. There's always somebody to call, always a number given that you can call and activate CERT. And we want to give a lot of shout outs to the people that work on the team with Mm -hmm. you. They really do step up and and, and, uh, we we appreciate their efforts there. Um, it's a pretty heavy topic, so we're going to shift gears a little bit and say fi- our final question is always that we ask our guests for a, a life hack. This could be a piece of advice or a tip, how to do something better, maybe just a little inspiration to get through the day. So um, I know you've got something good for us. So I what, do. What's your life hack? Well, I have two. Okay. The first one is pr- really practical. Um, if you're a chef and you're cutting onions, if you spread olive oil on your knife, you will not cry. When you're cutting so, the onions. So when you're cutting the onions, everybody has that situation yep. where the eyes get, uh, mm, get irritated mm-hmm. and everything. But covering the knife with olive oil. Yep, just spread it on there, thin layer, cut the onions, no tears. Wow. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, CERT is about trying to retain, you know, yes, keep people yes, from falling into, that's right. into depression, <laughs> and maybe that will help them. What's your other one? Well, my other one is, um, and something we often forget, is no matter what you're doing, if you're helping people, you have to take care of your own wellness, your physical, spiritual um, wellness. It's really, really important. 
If you're not okay, you can't help others. It's really the, the analogy I've heard on that too is you can't you know pull someone up if you're not Correct. solid on your feet, or you can't go up the mm-hmm. mountain if you haven't established your right. handhold. Right. And uh, and that's a good analogy Absolutely. and a good a good thought. Jody, thank you. Jody Whitcomb is Director of Organizational Development and Training at KidsPeace, and she leads the Critical Incident Response Team, or CERT. Always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to having you join us again for more Conversations with KidsPeace. Take care. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions about our Conversations podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.kidspeace.org to learn more about the series and share your thoughts.